0: We say there's a 20% suck factor in everything that we do, right? There's always that suck factor, but how do we ensure that we're rebuilding and, and looking at the employee experience? And if you do that, a byproduct is the results will show up. You get the right people on the bus, you give them clarity, alignment, and purpose. The bus will get to where it needs to get to, and you help them work together. (laughs)
1: Okay, here we go, guys, okay. (laughs) How is it going, ladies and gentlemen? This is Sean Barnes. I want to welcome you back to The Way of the Wolf. Our guest today is a gentleman named Chad Cardin. He founded the Cardin Group over 20 years ago. He's focused on executive development, public speaking, helping executives, teams, and businesses perform at the absolute highest levels. And he's going to dig into that a little bit today on how he's able to accomplish that and everything that he and his team does. So, Chad, welcome to The Way of the Wolf
0: thanks sean for having me looking forward to spending some time together and uh going back and forth here
1: yes sir absolutely okay so share with me share with the listeners a little bit about how you found yourself in a situation to have started the Cardin group
0: yeah i my journey uh, goes back several years I, I was actually really lucky when i was 14 years old i was watching my father share the stage with a guy my name is zig ziglar I don't know if your listeners know who Zig is, but I had a chance to, they were talking in Chicago at the Rosemont Horizon. I think it's now called the Donnelly Stevenson Center. And I went backstage, I met Zig, Sean, and I just turned to my dad and it was almost like a tipping point in my life. I said, dad, this is what I want to do with my life. And I didn't realize it then, but I had a chance to be mentored under Zig and some of the grades from 14 to 20 years old. Uh, Just the impact that that had on my life. I watched how they impacted people, how they lived. Um, how they got, how they allowed people to live at their best, to be the see untapped potential, really striving to do more in life, which just motivated me. And then at 20 years old, my dad exited the business, and um, they both went coach me to go to work for a company called Dale Carnegie Training, uh, which is the largest training organization in the world, franchised all over the globe. And I wanted to become a franchise owner. So, but but Carnegie was a, and nothing wrong with Carnegie, still very valid today. But it was at that point, it was a very public you know, offering or a public model, you would bring three or four people from one company, three or four people from another company, you would put them in a classroom, you would give them some frameworks. But then they really had to go back and figure it out how it worked for them. And at 25 years old, I was I wanted to own a franchise. That was one of my goals. And but at 25 years old, when I was looking into that, about 12 sponsors or franchise owners at that time were actually breaking away from Carnegie. The margins were shrinking a little bit. Companies were wanting more customize things, like give us things that fit into our world, our culture, practical, tactical things. And so I was able at 25 to break away and hang my own shingle. I'm, I'll be 47 in September. So hang my own shingle 22 years ago and really start this journey. And over the years, I don't know how we did it. I can't believe we get paid to do it, but we still do. And we've you know we done this in 40 countries, 15 different languages all across the globe. And really, it's just about how do you get people to work even better together to drive results, and how do you help people truly realize their purpose and their passion, where they're getting up daily—not all the time, because I don't—I'm not a cloud nine type of guy—but how are they getting up, and they and they and they see their work and their life as opportunity, which means they get to, not obligation, which means they have to. And if you can bring that out in people, and you can get people to work well together, you have a higher probability in an organization, big or small, to get the results you're looking to get, and to move your organization in a positive manner. So that's what we do again. I can't believe we get paid to do it, but we're still doing it. We're having a blast doing it. And um, I'm always excited to share about it. You guys, you can tell I can talk about it for hours.
1: I know. I love the energy that you're coming to this conversation with. So, okay. (laughs) As we talk, you're going to see how excited and giddy I get about all of these topics as well. So I'm, I'm super pumped about this conversation. There's a few things that came to mind for me as you were kind of talking through all of that now. One thing that I'm curious of, as I have conversations, I'll go to CHRO forums and network, and I've actually even given keynote speeches at some of them. I enjoy the, the HR, O D L D community. And having conversations with him. and there are times whenever I'll make comments like it seems like organizations are are starting to understand the value of OD and and leadership development and building teams and culture. But based on what you were just sharing, I mean, obviously, Dale Carnegie has been around for sixty years. When was his? Um, he wrote his book, his book in
0: 1936 written? called How to. Win yeah, so eighty. People.
1: Yeah, long, long time. long time. So it's been around for a while. So I think this might be an area where I'm maybe a little bit off and maybe it's just because I'm starting to recognize the value in it more and more. And so I feel like others are starting to, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that this is something that has been around for 80 years and like someone like myself who just found this and discovered a passion around it is starting to gain visibility into it? Um, or is it just such a small subset of business owners and senior leaders that value this that maybe there's just not a lot of visibility into it? I'm curious on your perspective there.
0: Yeah, I, I, I honestly believe in my experience, 25, 30 years, that the pendulum is 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 shifting. Uh, we We always say in this business that there is an executive A and an executive B. And executive A is an executive that runs their organization in a way that is all about results, that's results driven. They'll run over people. They'll do what they need to do to make sure that the business is successful. They'll take care of the shareholders. And they really, you know, people might be 8, 9, 10 on their list. And then you have executive B who really understands or buys into the philosophy that I buy into, which is if you can – improve the performance of your people. If you can drive people and, and find that untapped potential and create engagement and fulfillment, the results are a byproduct and they take care of themselves. And over my career I've seen the 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 weight shift from there was a a lot of executive A's, right? That maybe didn't buy into our philosophy. You found the executive Bs that really did and you you partnered with them and you drove the right things in the organization to create the culture, to create the environment, to you know, get the results you want. But I believe there's been a lot of things in the past eight, 10 years where people are realizing that people are truly the tipping point, right? And executives are realizing that if they can port, not not manufactured BS type of stuff, but authentic and sincerely Allow their people to show up in a way that allows them to be successful and work well together. You're going to get a heck of a lot further than just trying to railroad and run over everybody. So, so it's always been there, but I believe it's never. You know, the opportunity has never been more. You know, there's there's just a plethora of opportunity out there right now.
1: Do you think that the this is a generational thing?
0: I I don't I don't believe it's a genera yet I don't think that's a that, I don't think there's absolutes in this right I don't I don't it might be some generational, but I also mm-hmm. think it's just people realizing that through what we've been through, right through understanding, through you know we, we really have to work well together and how much easier of a path, it is toward nothing's easy right now. Nothing's easy. But how do we make it easier to drive the results we want to drive? And so I think there's just been this, like a lot of things that, you know, you and I have experienced in the past 15, 20 years, the the winds have shifted and the realization over time, it just didn't show up one day. It just sort of evolved into where it is today. If that makes sense. I don't made sense in my mind. Hopefully it makes sense on the other end
1: it does yeah that makes a lot of sense to me and and something that admittedly i haven't put a lot of thought into i have felt the winds start shifting more significantly especially as we as a world navigated through covid i mean that tested people beyond belief in in a multitude of ways and then It was also interesting to see how businesses, uh, employers, and employees responded during the pandemic. I mean, we are all aware that many businesses laid off half of their employees or more, or even had to close their doors. And then when things started to bounce back, restrictions started to lift, businesses started to grow again. It almost became this state where the the power dynamic had shifted to where the employees had the power for a little while because a lot of businesses recognized, hey, we can work fully remote or have our employee populations fully remote, save a ton of money on real estate costs and having to pay leases for all these facilities. And so it was now the the war for talent was not constrained by certain geographic regions. You could hire a developer, if you were based in California, you could hire the best developer in, in Dallas and and not be an issue at all. So then people started jumping ship and, and the employees had the power. Now, I feel like we're starting to see the pendulum swing back the other way again. Employers are realizing how extremely challenging it is to maintain and build a company culture as attrition as is occurring and you're bringing fresh blood into the organization. And so they're saying, hey, you've got to come in. You've got to have a hybrid schedule. Some employers are saying five days a week back in the office. But through all of that back and forth, business leaders are starting to recognize hey, there is something to this. And they also probably clued in on which teams continued to perform at very high levels during the pandemic and which ones floundered. And now their balance sheets are in a good enough place to say hey, I know you struggled with keeping your team on point and on task and delivering results. Let's invest in you. Let's figure out how we can get you to become that, that high performer. Did you see that during the pandemic?
0: A hundred percent. And I think that – I think what what it forced people to do in a positive way, what it forced organizations to do in a positive way is to really figure out who the hell they are, right, and what the heck they're trying to accomplish. And, and, and I think for, for years it was, again, not easy, but it was easier to just – just to move things forward and just to not really have to answer those questions. And this was almost like a forced, okay, let's call timeout and figure out what do we want to accomplish? How do we do it and not necessarily go into this kind of conformist or mass kind of thought process, but really what's right for us. And I think the companies that are doing that are winning the game. I think the others who are like, well, what's this person doing? And what's this organization? What's this organization? Yes, I'm all for guidance and counsel and best practices. But ultimately, the organizations that are winning, whether they're even in the same vertical or the organizations that are looking in the mirror and say, what is it that we need? What's the recipe that we need to be successful? And how do we work with our people to make sure that happens? And and if they do that and they do that right way, and it's a part of their strategy, it's not over here, something else, like let's just develop people or train people. If they do that the right way, I'm seeing that they are flourishing and they are really separating themselves from most of the competition.
1: And I think a lot of businesses that were able to survive through the past three years, they did it because of how much they cared about their employees. Having to lay off half your organization is never easy, but recognizing, let's just say you've got a an employee population of 2000 employees, you have to lay off a thousand of them. That's a thousand families that were impacted, but you had to make that very difficult decision to let go or lay off those thousand employees to save the other thousand and save the other company. And what I'm seeing is a lot of businesses have maybe hired back 500 of those initially because they care. and. The employees that work for organizations that truly care about the population, they know, they can feel it. They can tell if they are just a number in a machine or if they are truly valued by the organization. And those business leaders that Take the time to understand the needs of every single one of their employees or the people on their teams and invest and bring people like the Cardin group in to help build them and develop them. They they feel it and that loyalty that you get from that is unmatched. They will, they will go to the ends of the earth to work for their team and for their business if they feel valued if they feel appreciated if they're they're treated well and that's something that I think we quite frankly I think we need even more businesses like yours out there helping leaders learn how to to run their businesses and lead their businesses this way
0: yeah, and that's what we do. And there, and there, and I, I'm telling you, like right now, and I said this before, there's just a plethora of opportunity because more and more organizations are realizing it. We, we, we're we growing. We'll probably go four or five X this year just by just. And it's not that. Listen, we're out there, obviously. But people are hearing about what we do. Um, selfishly, I think we do really good work. And, and we're getting those people to say, help us. Because a lot of the smart executives, too, are saying, I'm good at what I know, right? Whether it's selling widgets, whether it's doing this or whatever my expertise is, I'm not good at necessarily the environment or culture shift or change. I just need somebody to help partner with that. And that's what we're there to do is to help them create those anchor points that allow their culture to thrive. That helps them drive results. Ultimately, people drive results. Results don't drive people. That's a very, again, simple philosophy. That's not at all simplistic. And we we, we tell them it's, it's how do we how do we blend into what they're already doing? And how Mm -hmm. do we allow that to show up? Because small hinges swing big doors, and it's not about completely trying to boil the ocean, but figuring out those anchor points and allow you to be successful. That's what we like to come in and do.
1: Yes. All right. Let's talk about the Peter Principle. In oil and gas, which is I've spent the majority of my career, I have run into countless engineers that are off the charts, brilliant engineers. And because they were the best engineer in the room, they found themselves leading a team of engineers. Well, you and I both know that it is a very different skill set that is required to successfully lead a team of 50 engineers than the skills required to design the newest widget or tool out there. And so, as you were talking about these executives that are really good at that thing that they do, but don't really understand how to build culture or build trust or relationships or effectively communicate, how do you bridge that gap? How do you get them over to that side or from that executive A to executive B arena?
0: Yeah. So good players don't always make good coaches, right? (laughs) So, so I think number one, which again, this is a counterintuitive thought process. And a lot of people, this is where it gets controversial, but I think Number one is you have to make sure that that person wants to be in that seat. I think too many times there feels it's it's obligation versus opportunity, right? If I want to move up in an organization, this is my next step. This is the natural next thing to do. And this is what I should do if I want to advance my career. And so that I just take that step. And now I move from maybe playing the game. And doing it really well and having energy and seeing it as opportunity, which means I get to, into a seat now that I feel like I'm obligated or I have to, and it completely shifts my energy, and I'm a completely different person. So what most people do in that is is that they just revert back to what they know. So a lot of times they're still the hustler, and they're still doing the things that their team should be doing, and they're not leading and developing. So the first step is you is have to make sure we're putting people in the right seats. Right, but not punishing them if they don't necessarily want to lead a team. Th- yeah. th- so, so, so that's a balance there. I get that. And then if, and then if they do say yes, I see it as opportunity. I want to grow. I want to develop. I, I think that this is this will help me elevate, and I can help more people. Whether that's a team of five, a team of 500, whatever that is that might be. Now you got to help them develop the right skills to make sure that they're successful. But this is where a lot of companies, a lot of outside organizations miss the boat. And I'm not saying anything about our competitors. And like I'm just saying this is what we've seen. A lot of people want to teach skill set before they create the right mindset, mm. right? And when I try to teach skill set, and you're not willing to absorb, or it's not about convincing you, it's about helping you convince yourself that the tools that we're going to give you in your leadership toolkit can be used at the right time in the right situation to be effective. And you buy into that, that's when we develop leaders. A lot of times companies just want to do leadership training. Training to me is a waste of money. If it's not bought into, if people don't buy into it, if they don't see how it fits or how it matters every single day, if their boss doesn't support them, if it's not part of the strategy, some people, small percentage are going to grasp, most people are just going to go right back to what they were doing three weeks ago. So it's about creating the mindset to get people shaking their head like you're doing and then Mm -hmm. going, great, now let's give you the skills. Then again, this is an investment. Then it takes time to make sure that people feel comfortable and confident mm-hmm. and competent to use those skills. So you have to stay with somebody, whether that's us, whether that's somebody internal, whether that's their leader. You have to give them a roadmap to do, to swing the bat in the batter's box, or to have so many times on the practice field before they ain't just thrown out into the game and expected to succeed. So it is a it's a formula, Sean. It's a formula that most companies miss. Most companies some not lot some companies want to develop their leaders. They just go about it the wrong way, and then they'll come back and go that stuff doesn't work. Well, it doesn't work, right? I mean, you can't go to the gym once and think I'm in shape. It just doesn't work that way. So it's a whole formula that we've developed over the past 20, 25 years that we really feel like we're coming into ourselves, and we're really gaining the results that organizations that hire us to, or bring us in, we're seeing it.
1: I like that you touched on the fact that it takes time. That's something that I think a lot of leaders, maybe they don't fully grasp early on. They think, oh, okay, I'm going to go to a week of leadership training and then I'm going to come out and and be better. Okay. Well, <clears throat> If your mindset is right and you go to that leadership training, you might come out with a few more tools in your toolbox. But if you just go right back into the same organization, the same seat, it's going to be really challenging for any sort of lasting, meaningful change to take place. And so it takes time and it is an investment. It's not just a cost to send somebody to leadership training. It takes time to work with the right partner, like yourself, to build and develop the talent. And I can recall a, a cohort that I was in a couple of years ago, and one of the vice presidents turned to me and asked, she said, hey, your technology team, they are absolutely phenomenal. I wanna get my team there, how did you do it? And I paused and thought, I was like, okay, well, it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, I've spent six years building our now vice president of IT, coaching, mentoring, working, like building in him and his team, and then teaching him how to build people on his team. There is no magic button that you can push to make it happen. It just takes time. And so I guess a question I have is, can you talk me through your experience around how much time is realistic is this like three months a year three years if i were the ceo of a company and i had three executives that i wanted to have you work with would it be okay let's let's work with them for three months or a year or three can you talk me through that
0: yeah listen i think that there's probably people on the margins that it takes less time. There's probably people on the margins that takes more time. So I'm, let, let me just kind of make some, some some blanket dangerous sometimes, and really kind of make them just kind of put people into a into all in one bucket. I think that there's a couple things to play time wise. I think it's a minimum of 12 months to really get somebody minimum. And but I think it's an infinite game. By the way, I, I, listen, mm-hmm. I've been on this journey. You've been on this journey. We're still developing. We're still learning. We're mm-hmm. still growing. So I don't think it's like a, a finite amount of time. I think it's an infinite amount of time. But I also think, like you mentioned, you made a very good point. During that development, they have to be in the right environment, right? If if I want to stop drinking, but I live in a bar, I'm probably going to succumb to drinking, right? I mean, eventually, no matter how much I want to quit, we do become a product of our environment. So they have to be, which means it has to be supported. It has to be. uh, Sustained. It has to be a a partnership where we where we just can't develop it, but they have to also be getting it from their boss and their other side and their peers. And so there's a lot of variables that go into that. But I think it's a minimum to really get somebody of a year commitment to say, okay, over the next year. I'm going to move from where I am to, and we got to define it, right? We got to be clear on it. Where are you today? Where is it that you want to go? What are your strengths? What are your, what are your tailwinds right now that are helping you move there? What are your headwinds? And then building an individual or a team development plan that is customized and personalized to that person or that team or that organization that allows them to move there. And then we, our goal is to work our way out of the car, right? If if we always have to drive the car, we're not doing our job. Listen, they keep paying us, which is great. But ultimately, when if we're the crutch, it's not sustainable. When we leave, it's gonna go away. So how do we help them move from the from the passenger seat to the driver's seat? And then how do we work our way out of the car? That's what we have to do. I mean, your your your, your original question was time. I would say minimum of a year. I know that was a long answer to a short question. But again, after that, they, they can't stop driving the car. Well, maybe they yeah. can in these days with all, all the Tesla and all that stuff. But ultimately, you got to keep you got you know it's an infinite game that you play.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. And as I think through the people that I've worked with and and coached and mentored over the years, I've started to try to think of it as this ripple effect of, okay, I'm going to coach this one person or these two or three people. And as time progresses, they are going to start positively influencing those around them so if if I'm working with one person and they are able to positively influence and start to inspire and motivate and mentor and coach three people around them and get them to a point where then they can start working with the people around them. What will happen in an organization, it will start to kind of turn into this flywheel effect, where it starts building momentum, building momentum. And to your point earlier, as far as being a product of the environment, Not easy to do, but one person can make a difference in a toxic environment given enough time, energy, and effort. It's not easy. It takes a ton, a monumental amount of work to get it done. But if you view it with that mindset of, hey, this is a big flywheel that I'm trying to push, and I'm gonna start getting a few more people on board and a few more people on board, and we're gonna start building some momentum, Man, you can make some incredible change in an organization by doing that.
0: A hundred percent, I agree. I think that it, that the environment can change, and one person can lead that charge and build that army inside. Where it where you can, it's almost like you're changing your entire DNA, right? It's almost like you're changing your 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 physical body, your your mental shape, whatever it is it might be. And that takes time, that takes patience, that takes energy, that takes commitment. So yes, it, it's completely possible, and to do that. And and then what happens when, when organizations get there is it just is the way they are. It's just their DNA. And so if I get hired into that, it becomes the expectation. It becomes, yeah. you know, and I don't know any different. This is just the way that it is. And, I, and I, we always say before, here's another thing that I think organizations try to circumvent. A lot of times we say before you build the right habits, you have to break the wrong ones. Right? And I think too many times you're trying to put good habits on to, on top of bad or good culture on top of bad, and you're not getting rid of it. It's a big ball of yarn that you have to unwind, and you have to be willing and committed to do that, to really kind of reset, reimagine, refocus, and recreate what's possible. And again, it's an investment. It's a dollar investment. It's a time investment. It's a people investment. It's an investment. And sometimes companies, even if you're an executive B, sometimes companies are saying it's, that's too much. It's like you being my personal trainer going, okay, what do I got to do to lose 20 pounds, get a six pack. And you tell me and I go, that's too much. Right. And so (laughs) it's just, we, you know, sometimes you just have to be in our business. You have to be okay with people going, I get it. I know I need to be Mm -hmm. in the gym five days a week. I'm not willing to do it. Fine. Mm -hmm. We're not the right partners. No harm, no foul. Mm -hmm. Best of luck to you. You know, and that, and that's what I think, are like guys like you and me. Our biggest struggle is because we we see it and we want it so bad. And when we want it bad, you know, when we want it more than they do, it 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 hardly comes to fruition.
1: <laughs> yeah, you can set yourself up for failure pretty quickly by doing that by seeing the potential in somebody and just wanting so desperately to help them get there because you know exactly what they need to do. But if they don't want it. They're never gonna get there, and that's, right. that's I, I've experienced that a, a number of times in my life and career. Not even just in in business and and with coaching people, but uh, in friendships and life and family. And it, it is, I mean, that's a topic for another day. But it is something that is very important. As leaders, as you're focusing on building people in the organization, earlier you mentioned making sure that people have the right mindset, that they actually want to do the job that you're offering to them, that is a crucial part of this entire process. Because if you get an engineer who's the most brilliant engineer in the room that doesn't want to lead people, it doesn't matter how desperately you want him or her to lead the team they're not going to be successful or it's very unlikely that they are going to be successful. So make sure that you're investing your time and energy in building the people that want it. And I want to say that doesn't mean you just ignore that high performing engineer and leave him parked over as an engineer. You've got to figure out what motivates and inspires him and continue to aid him in pursuing whatever makes him happy. That's part of building a strong culture, but uh, yeah, I, I just that is something that I've learned in recent years that you can't want it more than they do because it's just mm, you're going to get disappointed at some point. Yeah,
0: absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, thinking about you know a lot of times it's like, well, how how do we do it? What do we do? And those those are a lot of the questions that we get. And I think it's 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 again, it's not about always us presenting it. It's about helping the organizations realize some of these things. So. We, uh, I get a good, uh, a good friend, a, a good mentor, a good business partner in this business. He's been with me for, gosh, twenty plus years. His name's Adam Carroll. He always says, um, you know, you have to ask different questions, bigger questions, and better questions, right? You have to, yeah, and you have to get in that mindset. And so we just, a lot of times we go in and we just begin to ask questions around, you know, we call it CAP, which is Clarity, Alignment, Purpose. And we begin to ask questions like, all right, what, what, where is the bus going, right? What, what are we trying to accomplish here? And are you clear as a leader, is your team clear? And I will tell you 98% of the time, if I were to ask you not saying you don't take offense, but if I were to ask leaders, like what are your goals? And then we go ask the team. They're not aligned, right? They're not clear. What are your expectations? What are your top three expectations of your team? These are my top three. Would they know it? Sure. We go ask them. They're not even close. So a lot of times it's about creating that foundation, right? You got to create clarity around the the goals, where the bus is going, what's expected of each other, what do you expect of them, what do they expect of you? And then the A stands for the alignment. Once I understand where the bus is going, does everybody want to go there? And so those are the other things. Like, does everybody want to go there? Because if they don't want to go there, they might not be a bad person. They're just on the wrong bus. Mm-hmm. So you have to make sure, you know, you have to make sure you have the right people mm-hmm. on your bus that are willing to, because we walk into organizations all the time, Sean, and people are working hard, but they're on all four sides of the bus and they're all pushing and they're working their, you know, what's off and the bus isn't going anywhere. So how do we get people clear and aligned? And then the the P stands for purpose, which is exactly what you said. How do we, how do we tap in and understand what motivates them, help them realize what they do mattered. Everybody adds value. I don't care if you run an organization or you clean toilets, everybody adds value. And how do we help that value show up? That's authentic and sincere and tap into what motivates them with the seat that they sit in and the role that they have with on the bus. You do those things. You create that clear limit purpose. You've created a very solid foundation to now build from But a lot of times we just again, we just try to put the walls up before we put the foundation and it just doesn't work. So, again, I I mean, I could bore you to death, but those are the the, you know, that's really our starting point with organizations. And that allows us to launch in in a direction that's right for them.
1: That's something you touched on, something that is very important. And I've seen this kind of at various points in in my career. Well, especially early on in my career where the senior leader would say something and maybe a few rungs down the ladder, they're just like completely baffled, confused, like where did that come from type of a thing. And so anytime I go meet with my team, because uh, sometimes it's challenging because of financial constraints, but whenever I am able to bring the entire team together and there are a few people that are, you know, one, two, three rungs down uh, in my, my own organization, If I'm presenting, I'll actually ask the question, hey, what is one thing that's important to me? And I ask that question with intentionality because I I want to know, are the messagings, the messages that I'm sharing with my direct reports, with my leaders in the organization, are they working their way all the way down? to the people like at the admin at the coordinator level because it's important that they understand what's important to me what's important to the organization where are we going if they don't know the answer there's a few things that that tells me one i've got to work on effective communication with the people that are are like right beneath me in my organization but also As a senior leader, I need to be willing to go take that coordinator to lunch and just start having conversations and building a relationship and making sure that they understand there is trust here. There is communication, we can have conversations. I'm not some just executive over here in the ether that's untouchable and and you have to get nervous around. You have to have that relationship and trust all the way up and down your organization and i think sometimes leaders as they progress in their career they start to get to a point where you know maybe it's ego maybe it's yes you get very busy and and lose sight of the fact that hey you've got coordinators you've got admins you've got managers that don't really know you and your role, one of your roles as a leader is to make sure that they know you. They know what's important to you and to the organization. Do you run across that very often? And if so, how do you overcome that?
0: Yeah, we do. We do. I think I think sometimes depending on the size of the organization, the title scares the shit out of people. Uh, you know what I mean? And, and and but but they don't realize that. Like uh, I'm working with the CEO of a large organization and she's like, "I want more people to come up to me. They have a rally that they have in April. It's kind of their they bring everybody together." I want more people to come up to me. And the first thing I tell her is I say, listen, you got to realize you're intimidating just because you're title. So you have to minimize that intimidation, right? You have to, you have to be willing to kind of potentially um be the proactive versus the reactive. Cause most people aren't going to react. You know, she doesn't, she doesn't have time. What am I going to say? You know, yeah. and all that type of stuff. So that's one. And I think you're right. I think sometimes and, and I but I also think sometimes that's a blind spot. You know, mm-hmm. people are like, "Well, why don't they just come up to me?" I'm just, I'm just yeah. who I am, you know. Yep. But you have, so that's a realization that you have to bring to the table. Second thing you mentioned is, I think you have to be, uh, you have to create an a comfort level where you create an environment of approach, not environment of avoidance right and so you're right that's where it comes down to we always talk about three anchor points and one of them is strong working relationships at all levels right that's with your peers that's with your that's with your staff that's with your boss uh, and not friend i'm not talking about friends at a, i'm not talking about friendship if your friends great i'm talking about strong working relationships that come down to you mentioned it trust respect rapport right and so how am i what am i doing to build those relationships and create that environment of you know, um, approachability and, and that environment of advice where people want to come to me and, and really understand what's clear to me. I think the other thing is, is what you mentioned is, depend again, depending on the size of the organization, what you talk about is what others are going to talk about. Right, And so it's important that you are, and we, we talk about, we call it two-level communication. Right, I need to make sure that I'm communicating two levels down, and I'm challenging my leaders to communicate two. I might not be able to get to everywhere. Yes, mm-hmm. every once in a while, I need to take those people to lunch. I need to check in. I need to skip levels, all that type of stuff. But ultimately, how do I make sure that the message is getting all the way down the organization? And I need to make sure that I'm communicating two levels, but it's an ongoing, never-ending I can't communicate it in January and go, we had our team meeting. We're ready to go this year, right? It's an infinite, again, it's an infinite game that you play with communication. So mm-hmm. that, that those are some of the things that we when, we, when we see that, we try to help them identify and come become conscious about their title, realize mm-hmm. it, create the env- environment of approachability, right, not avoidance, and then work on continuously driving those strong working relationships and communicating those things that are important to you, as you mentioned, down two levels and 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 you know challenging everybody to do that all the way down the organization so Mm -hmm. Hmm.
1: as you were talking through that um my mind started to wander a little bit into the realm of personality profiles behavioral assessments disc berkman things like that and what triggered that was you said the word awareness and raising awareness, because I think a lot of times leaders don't, they don't know what they don't know. And so as I have started to explore and get more familiar with various behavioral assessments, one of the biggest Things that I have noticed is the aha moment that people have once they read their disk profile, once they read their Berkman profile, because it, it completely opens their eyes to a world that sometimes they had never even thought existed. And if I flash back to seven years ago, the first time I took a disk profile, I was just blown away at the thought of, hold on a second. There's different personality types. Well, no wonder I can't get my message across because I'm over here at the bottom of the C spectrum. I can't effectively communicate to an I or a D, or I don't know how to yet. So learning and raising awareness of various personality assessments is huge from a leadership perspective. Do you guys use tools like that? We do,
0: and I think that um, they are effective. It, it's 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 sort of like this thing right here, right? It, it's as effective as as I'm educated on how to use it. Mm-hmm. I could use it as a phone, and and you know, and that's it. Or I could use it to for chat GPT to create my next blog, whatever it is <laughs> it might be. But I, and I, I I 100% buy into communication styles and and personality profiles and things like this. I think the key is, is as you said is, there, the, really there's. There's we call them beats or anchors. like there are there there are certain things that have to be in place for those things to be successful. Number one, uh, realizing how how I show up, right? And that's taking the assessment, taking the and really understanding how I show up. Number two, realizing that I could unconsciously be creating gaps in relationships, not bridges by because a lot of times I will work from my style or my personality and 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 are I have strengths and I have, you know, I, I have my, the way I tend to do and the way I'm perceived by others. And sometimes I will never know when I'm working with others. So I think really understanding that. Three, really understanding how to flex, not saying, well, I'm a D so everybody should do this or I'm a C, right? Like not making, not, the um, Shay Carpenter, an organization uh, taught me this years ago. She said, the golden rule when it comes to when it comes to personalities and and communication styles and how people like to be communicated with and how people like to be worked with, the golden rule is actually um, non-existent. The golden rule says treat others how you want to be treated, right? Now I'm not going against the good book or anything like that. I believe in the golden rule and I think that that's a good principle. She said really it's about the platinum rule. How do you help people show up and treat them how they want to be treated? How do you interact with them how they want to be interacted with? And that's the whole key is it's about if I'm a if I'm a C, how do I make an I comfortable, right? How do I make a D comfortable? And really yeah. helping people understand that. Or if I'm a, you know, there's all sorts of communication styles. If I'm a driver, how do I make an amiable feel comfortable and analytical feel comfortable? It's not about me becoming another style, or another personality, because I'm not, that's not who I am. But how do I know how to authentically flex in situations that allows them to be comfortable and show up at their best that allows us to work together to drive results. So they can be so key and vital and important to leaders if you don't I think a lot of times organizations stop where or they take the you know they take the assessment, they realize about themselves and they're like all right, now you know and they really don't take that extra level of helping people understand how to do those other things that allow those things to truly show up and and be successful. You said something a moment ago to authentically flex. And
1: that is huge. As a leader, that's like we have to be this flexible, malleable thing to be able to lead Chad the way he needs to be led, to lead John the way he needs or Sally or Jason or 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 everyone on your team. They all need to be led differently. And those behavioral assessments, they can be an indicator, a data point on who Chad is. If Chad's a C, okay, here's some information that I can use to be able to effectively communicate to him. Now, Chad is not this box or this dot on a profile. There is a lot more to Chad than just this one little dot, but it is a starting point. It is an area that you can use to jump off of to build that relationship. And as a leader, if you are a C, it's going to be, okay, yes, you can walk in, have a conversation with a C and probably be on the same page. But if Chad is an I and I'm a C, as you well know, somebody's going to have to flex, It's Probably going to be the I, but if the C is the leader, they're going to have to figure out how to flex into that zone. Yep. And one of the things that I've done that I found very interesting is over the past six years, I've taken my, my disc profile at three separate points in my career. And the first were two years apart, and there was actually some differences. I had a shaded tail going up to right between D and I. And and so the first two years, they weren't that far apart. But I took it this year, and I was firmly up in the D quadrant. Now, the nature of my role has changed significantly over the past six years. And so I think what that speaks to is the fact that While that dot represents kind of who we are at our core, we absolutely have the ability to flex out into these other areas that maybe we're not comfortable in. But we can do it if that's what it means to achieve success, to help the team or the business achieve success. So we can flex. It's not comfortable. It takes intentionality. And if you want to build and develop skills as a leader, you have to be very intentional and focus and read books and then learn how to apply the knowledge, learn from those books and work with people like yourself. It's not an easy process. Right.
0: No, you're right. And I know we're coming down for a landing here, but I think that, you know, I think you're right because even within the, even within those assessments and even within those quadrants, I mean, there's quadrants within quadrants, right? You could be a DD, you could yeah. be a D. And so, <laughs> yep. and so depending on where you're at, some people, we all have natural flex, depending mm-hmm. on where you're at, you might, it might be easier for you. And for some people who are out on the margins, you have to be really intentional about it because mm-hmm. you, and it's just a blind spot. It's not, It's not that you're meaning to you just don't know what you don't know in those situations
1: yeah yeah okay as we start to wrap this up i've got to know what is the biggest lesson that you have learned in your career that positively impacts
0: teams yeah i i think it's a continuous never-ending game of rebuilding the employee experience I really do. You rebuild the employee. You help this experience show up in a way that people enjoy coming to. They see. And again, not every. I'm not cloud nine 100% of the time. There's I. Always, I always say there's a 20% suck factor in everything that we do. Right. There's always that suck factor. But how do we ensure that we're rebuilding and and looking at the employee experience? And if you do that, a byproduct is the results will show up. You get the right people on the bus. You give them clarity, alignment, and purpose. The bus will get to where it needs to get to and you help them work together. That's, I mean, I've learned so much Sean, over the years, but I think if I just stay focused on that and stay true to that, a lot of good things happen.
1: All right. I love it. Chad, how do people contact you?
0: Uh, You can find us at uh, thecardingroup.com. We're out there, as you mentioned, we're out there on social media. I think on all the major platforms, Brooke Brooke and Lindsay and some of our marketing team does an amazing job at that. I know that I, I film a bunch of videos. I haven't watched one of my videos since I've been up, but uh, I know people leave a lot leave a lot of comments, some good, some bad, but uh, we're out there. so if if you just and if you just search my name, Chad Cardon, there's a lot of things that'll pop up. and we're always looking to continuously figure out how we help organizations by helping them figure out the untapped potential that they have inside with their people and letting that flourish. So I appreciate opportunities like this, Sean, and looking forward to many more conversations with you.
1: Absolutely, Chad. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. I can't wait to get this pushed out. So for all of you listening, I will have all of the contact information in the show notes and on the YouTube channel. Please feel free to leave any comments. I'll probably be posting some of these clips on LinkedIn, sharing them, making sure that uh, Brooke and, uh, did you say Heather? Lindsay. 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 Brooke and Lindsay are uh, okay with me posting it, but be posting this content. Please do not hesitate to reach out. The conversations that I've had with Chad uh, have just inspired the hell out of me, quite frankly. So please reach out to him. That is all we got for the show today. Thank you so much. And y'all have a good one.